Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The listening path says, "Calm down, slow down, listen carefully, and you will hear guidance." I think we all have access to guidance. We just need to practice accessing it. Welcome to the new season of the Not Perfect podcast. I'm your host Poppy Jamie, the author and founder of the award-winning app and best-selling book Happy Not Perfect. This is our time to take a break and go within to unlock ourselves in a new way and stretch our thinking. Whatever you are going through right now, I welcome you into this conversation with a new inspiring thought leader each week to help us thrive, rise and realize our full truth and unlimited potential. As you might know if you read my book, I'm passionate about us becoming flexible in our thinking, and that starts with some mind, body and soul healing. So let's dive in. Today, I'm interviewing a total mastermind who has unlocked the creativity of millions. The New York Times called her the queen of change. She is the author of 40 books. She's an artist, scriptwriter, poet, playwright, novelist, composer, journalist, teacher, speaker, and 100% the real deal. I am speaking about the wonderful Julia Cameron. You may have heard about the concept of morning pages, or perhaps you've heard of the iconic book, The Artist's Way. This is a manifestation of Julia's mind. For over 40 years, she's been changing people's lives by helping them to discover their natural born creativity, manage that mean inner critic, and become unblocked. My two favorite books out of her many are The Artist's Way and The Listener's Path, but she's got a new book coming out, Seeking Wisdom. What is a favorite quote you like to return to often and why? Well, it's a line from the poet Dylan Thomas, the force that through the green fuse drives the flower. Uh, and that to me seems like a wonderful definition of the higher power. Uh, the force that through the green fuse drives the flower, the creative energy that flows up the stem of a flower and into a bloom. Uh, and I think that when we turn our will and our life over to the care of this higher power, we flourish. Such a beautiful quote. And I can't wait to dive into how you do that, because I think that's it's something I aspire to be able to do so much more often than I do is to kind of surrender to this wonderful higher power, but there is so many challenges in doing that. But that is why your work is so powerful. What's a life lesson you've been reminded of recently and why? I think I would have to say staying in the moment, being present to what's actually going on, rather than fearfully anticipating the future or regretting the past. 
uh, it's staying directly in the time that we have now uh, and saying, okay, what can I do now? So I would say the lesson is stay in the moment. Uh, that's where your power lies. How do you understand the soul? I think of it as an innate force uh, that we all have that intends us good and intends us creativity. The soul is another term for inner power. So I think uh, that when we have contact with our own inner guidance, we have contact with our soul. So my tools are about caring for your soul. I mean, this is the perfect segue into talking about your tools that I just love how you've described them as caring for your soul. So would you mind talking us through what are the main soul tools you use daily to reconnect with your soul, that inner power that you speak of? Well, I think that we should talk first about morning pages. Morning pages are three pages of longhand morning writing about absolutely anything. Whatever crosses your mind, whatever cloud thoughts come zooming into your consciousness, you simply write whatever occurs to you. Uh, and what I find with morning pages is that it's a little bit like taking a tiny little broom sticking it into all the corners of your life and bringing the rubble and debris to the center of the room where you can deal with it. So when you write morning pages, you're saying to the universe, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. This is what I want more of. This is what I want less of. Uh, it brings you honesty and authenticity uh, and vulnerability Morning pages help you to expand. Uh, what happens is they will bring up a risk uh, and you'll say, I can't do that. Uh, and then they'll bring up the risk again and you'll think, I don't think I can do that. And then finally, just to hush them up when they say it again, you say, oh, all right, I'll try. And you try the risk and you succeed. Uh, and you expand. So morning pages make you larger than you're used to thinking of yourself. How did the idea of just three pages, what, what was it about three pages that brought you to this practice that is so simple, but yet so profound? Well, I was living alone in an adobe house at the end of a dirt road. Uh, and I had a daughter who was a little toddler. Uh, and I would get up before my daughter woke up and I would race to the table looking out over the mountains uh, and I would write. And I found I could write about three pages before my daughter woke up. So three pages became a magic amount uh, because what happens is that the first page and a half are, are easy. Uh, and then the second page and a half are tougher, uh, and you have to dig deeper. What I found was that if I wrote more than three pages, I was rendered a narcissist. <laughs> and if I wrote three pages, 
that seemed to be the perfect amount to move me into action. So three pages became the amount that I advised people to use. For me, Morning Pages has, it's night and day compared to the impact and benefit I get from meditation. It is so much more effective, I find. Why do you think for some people Morning Pages is just so much more impactful and then being able to decipher their busy spaghetti like mine's? Well, I think when you write Morning Pages, you're putting yourself in contact with a greater power to a sort of uh, spiritual rope. Uh, that lashes you forward. Morning pages are powerful because you're writing them before you are defended. Jungians tell us we have 45 minutes before we have our defenses in place. So I say use those 45 minutes for morning pages. Uh, And sometimes people say, Oh, Julia, I'm too grumpy. It's all right to be grumpy. All parts of you are welcome here. Uh, And I think they work better than conventional meditation, I think. You know, if if you're conventionally meditating, you're spending about 20 minutes uh, and you're doing something uh, where you have a thought or an issue and you take it into meditation, and by the time you're done meditating, you don't feel like you need to do anything about it because you've sort of meditated it away. At the end of morning pages, you say, I damn well better do something about this. Uh, And so you move into action. You have another tool, which I've recently just uh, used, which is your artist dates. And I just took myself on an artist date, which, to be honest, was probably a a bit more than what you usually suggest, which is a couple of hours a day. I took myself on an artist date for a week and it has been extraordinary. What is an artist date? And I'd love to clarify that you don't have to be an inverted commas technical artist to benefit from an artist date. And why do you recommend them? It's a once a week solo expedition to do something that enchants or interests you. So my favorite artist date is visiting a pet store where they have a bunny named George. (laughs) But an artist date is something that might entrance your inner eight-year-old. So you might want to go to a children's bookstore or you might want to go to a floral shop. You don't need to do something serious in terms of self-improvement. What you're after is something called the play of ideas. That's actually a prescription which says, play, and you will have ideas. But what I have found is that using an artist date in conjunction with morning pages creates a radio kit where you're saying, this is what I love, this is what I don't love. Uh, And you're sending a message to the universe about how you actually feel and actually are. Then when you go on your artist date, you switch the dial over from send to receive. Uh, And a lot of times people will say to me, I think I felt God. Wow. (laughs) I had a feeling that the universe was a benevolent place. 
uh, I had a feeling that I didn't need to be so afraid. Mm. Uh, and that's courage is one of the fruits of an artist state. Do you find it odd when you observe the world and the culture that we're in that it leaves such little room for play? Well, I think we have a very Calvinistic culture. Uh, it's very punishing, mm. very authoritarian. Uh, it's dismal. <laughs> yeah. With the culture not allowing forgiveness, it's very difficult for then human beings to find forgiveness if they're not seeing it elsewhere. And so I guess this is why it's unsurprising that your book sold thousands and thousands of copies in the last year during the pandemic, because you offer these core human needs that we don't necessarily see elsewhere. Well, I, I have found uh, that what happened during the pandemic was that the Artist's Way, which is coming up on a 30-year anniversary. Wow is that there's more hunger for connection mm. and that people, when they had the enforced solitude of the lockdown, people began to realize, I need to do something to cheer myself up. Uh, and so something to cheer yourself up is what the artist's way is about. Yeah. Finding your soul. In the artist's way, you write that most of the time when we are blocked in an area of our life, it's because we feel safer that way. Much fear of our own creativity is the fear of the unknown. I just really love this quote, and I'd love for you to maybe explain that a bit further. Well, I think that we're afraid to dare. Mm. When the artist way brings up dares, they move us into action. I think that all of us have a hunger for action, which is satisfied once we venture forward. But I think we're afraid to try things. Uh, and being afraid to try things keeps us contained within a certain definition of ourselves. Uh, and what the artist way does is say, Change your definition. Mm. Stop being fearful. Start being brave. What is ruling people's fear? Why do you think that fear is more common than bravery? Well, again, I think it's our culture. Mm. I think we have a culture that tells us to risk is dangerous. So we believe this. Uh, and we have parents who are very well meaning, but negative. Mm. And if we say, I think I want to be a writer, the response is, don't you think you might need something to fall back on? Mm. So it's our culture, it's our parenting, it's our heritage. All of these things lend themselves to negativity. You write about how shame is also another great enemy to our creativity. How do you suggest we identify our shame and manage it? Well, this is when I sound like a fanatic, because what I say is do morning pages. And when we do morning pages, we locate a sense of shame. 
uh, and we begin to see our way through it. Uh, and we begin to say, maybe that shame isn't rational. Maybe it isn't necessary. Maybe I could do something about it. Uh, and I, again, I want to say what we're talking about are tiny little risks. A lot of times people think they have to change their whole life. Mm. Uh, and that's frightening. Uh, and they don't want to do it. But an example would be writing a screenplay. People say, I better move to Hollywood. Right. <laughs> but I like where I am. <laughs> so what I say is a screenplay is a page at a time, wherever you are. So risks can be tiny little risks. Uh, and tiny little risks add up over time to a large risk. I've got some really exciting news. My podcast partners, Platinum CBD, have decided to offer the chance for Not Perfect listeners to try their CBD for free. So all you need to do is pay for shipping. Super easy. So if you want to try Platinum CBD for free to help you sleep, manage stress or sore muscles, then all you have to do is visit coal-care.uk. And the link will be in the show notes too. And choose between a 10 milliliter CBD oil in peppermint or unflavored or the CBD soft gel capsules. Add it to your basket and at checkout, add the code NOTPERFECTFREE. Get your free CBD while stocks last. One of the things that you write about is the believing mirrors. I've heard you in the past talk about how a psychic or psychics have actually been really helpful believing mirrors. I just wanted to kind of hear your thoughts about that. First of all, I would love for everyone to hear you explain what a believing mirror is. And also just love to hear your thoughts on psychics. A believing mirror is somebody who reflects back to you your strength and your possibility. So when you said to your believing mirror, I'm writing a book, they said, that's wonderful. They didn't say, consider the odds against getting published. So a believing mirror is somebody who's positive, enthusiastic, encouraging. A believing mirror can be anybody from your mother to your best friend, to somebody whom you encountered through work. Uh, and what's necessary is that they give you support. I had a believing mirror. I was very lucky. A woman named Sonia Choquette. Sonia is a third generation psychic. When I told her I was writing The Artist's Way, she said, that book will do well, <laughs> which was sort of an understatement. And what are your thoughts on psychics? Do you think that they, and I can imagine you're quite psychic. Do you think you are? I mean, I, I kind of, your energy feels very psychic. Well, Sonia was a wonderful guide for me um, because I said to her, I'm afraid I'm psychic. And I was worried that I was going to be struck wearing purple robes. <laughs> uh, and Sonia said, no, it's normal to be psychic. Mm. Everyone is psychic. You just need to lean into it and develop it. 
So um, I leaned into it <laughs> and developed it. Uh, and I have a practice uh, which is called writing guidance. Uh, and I will go, what do I need to know about X? Then I will listen. Uh, and what I will hear is some kind of kind, gentle, calm encouragement. So, for example, when I said, what about my interview today? I was told, you just need to have good humor. <laughs> That's so wonderful. <laughs> uh, and this brings us to the new book, which is called Seeking Wisdom. Uh, and in Seeking Wisdom, I talk about the three tools of the artist's way, which are morning pages, artist dates, and taking a 20-minute walk. Uh, and then I say there's a fourth tool, uh, and it's very important that you start to use it, uh, and that's asking for guidance. Uh, and if you ask for guidance and listen for guidance, you will be led. When I was reading about your latest book, you talk about how you can show readers how to harness prayer. What does prayer mean to you and how do you encourage people to harness the art of prayer? Is it as we maybe have conventional views on prayer or as you've shown, can prayer be accessed in different forms? I think prayer can be accessed in many different forms. Uh, I think uh, a simple definition of prayer is talking to God. But I think for many people, the word prayer feels like a loaded term. Mm -hmm. They feel like, I don't know how to do it right, so I'm not going to do it at all. Uh, and so what Seeking Wisdom does is say, just try it. Try speaking to God in your own words. Try being conversational and colloquial rather than formal. So to me, prayer is a communication uh, and it's sending up a thought. And what has walking done to your routine and how do your days change from the days you do walk to the days you don't? Do you notice the difference? Well, there's a big difference. When you walk, you connect to your environment uh, and you are attuned to the world around you. You receive guidance. You walk out with a problem <laughs> and you walk back in with a solution. Uh, and walking gives you optimism. Absolutely. And I first um, heard about your walking ritual in The Listening Path which is another beautiful book. And you really explore the art of listening, which is perhaps an art that many of us are not so good at. And you talk about the beauty and the gifts that you can receive from taking more time to listen. But you also clearly state that we shouldn't listen to everyone and everything. We should also choose wisely. Would you mind sharing a bit about your advice around listening? Well, I think that when we listen, we tune in. Uh, and when we tune in, 
uh, we begin to be a little bit excited. Uh, we begin to have a sense, again, of benevolence, a sense that it's a kindly world. So I say, first try listening to your environment, and you'll hear the tick, tick, tick of the clock. Then I say, now try listening to yourself uh, and go, go for a walk uh, and ask yourself, what do I need to know? Uh, and as you walk and ask yourself, what do you need to know? Uh, you begin to find a connection. And then I say, now try listening to your fellows. Uh, and what we find is that we interrupt. <laughs> we don't really listen. We try and finish each other's thoughts. So I say, don't interrupt. Listen carefully and wait longer. The waiting takes patience. Uh, and patience is a learned trait. Uh, and then I say, now you've listened to the world around you, you've listened to yourself, you've listened to your confreres. Now I want you to take a leap of faith and try listening, quote, beyond the veil. So I ask you to try and contact people who have passed over that you were close to, uh, and you just simply write, can I hear from X? I feel quite emotional, actually, just thinking about how how much conversation that we could be having with souls in this present moment and past uh, by slowing down um, in a world that tells us to speed up. Yes, and I think the listening path says, calm down, slow down, listen carefully, and you will hear guidance. I think we all have access to guidance. We just need to practice accessing it. Uh, and that's what my books try and teach us how to do. Do you just write purely based on this inspiration and guidance that you are receiving? Or do you ever think, ah, oh, what do people need right now? Is it out of your understanding of what people need, or is it purely through just guidance of, I guess, what you're manifesting? I think that when you write what you're being guided to write, you are automatically writing what people need. I don't think they're two separate things. When I sit down and write about guidance, I am answering a hunger of people to hear about guidance. Mm. I think when we pray to be led, we are led. And what are your thoughts about the ego? And and I know you call your inner critic Nigel, which really made me giggle because it's just such a brilliant name for an inner critic. But do you find having now gone through decades of really committing to the most amazing spiritual work, does your ego have less of a power over you or less of a voice? Yes. Nigel is, I think of him as a gay British interior decorator. 
Which is so funny because I feel I know so many gay British interior designers. So when I heard your inner critic was like a, a gay British interior designer, it, as I told you, it just, I cackled. Well, and so what I believe uh, is that I can never live up to his standards. Mm. I've been writing since I was 18, so that's 55 years. Nigel has kept pace with me every step of the way. <laughs> and uh, I, when I write a new book, Nigel will say, it's boring. You've said this before. Uh, and um, I've learned to say to Nigel, Nigel, thank you for sharing. <laughs> and move right on past. And I think this is one of the fruits of Morning Pages. There's no wrong way to write morning pages, but your inner critic will sort of perk up its ears, start saying nasty things. Uh, and as you listen to the nasty things, you learn to say, thank you for sharing. Uh, and your critic becomes a small voice instead of a large voice. Mm. I think we have a, a mythology that tells us that, quote, real artists are people who are fearless. Mm. Uh, and they learn to step to one side and say to the critic, please, have your say. Uh, and uh, when the critic has his say, it often turns out to be something petty. What is your advice for making decisions? What is your process when, let's say, there's four different things you could write a book on or four different things you could write a poem on. And you're trying to make this creative decision and the kind of the choice almost like paralyzes the action. Okay, here we go again. Morning pages. <laughs> Morning pages lead us uh, about what to do next. There will be something that will be more pressing than other things. Uh, something that will feel, quote, juicier. Mm. Uh, and as you learn to follow your, your morning pages, uh, you learn to choose wisely. The answer to how do I know what to write next uh, is what do I think I would like to write next? And lastly, what are your thoughts around manifesting or... Do you not really agree with this idea of manifesting and creating the future that you think you want? I'm going to say, I want you to try writing morning pages because they will teach you to dream. Mm. You will come in contact with a vulnerable self. I think with morning pages, you experience synchronicity, which is manifestation in spades. Uh, and um, it's a... Um, an intermeshing of your inner world and your outer world and where you realize this is more than I dare dream. Thank you so much for that. And I want just to finish on noting that your new book, Seeking Wisdom, is an absolute must for any holiday gift. And Julia, what is the best way to find you? I know you also have video courses that people can, can practice the work with you, but how best for people to follow your work? I have a website, 
JuliaCameronLive.com. And on that, I have my plays, my movies, my poetry, my music. So I, I urge people to go to the website and allow themselves to play. Uh, I have a movie that I wrote, produced, and directed uh, called God's Will. Uh, and God is an attractive red-haired lady golfer. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Julia. And we are gifted to have spent this time with you. So thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening. It would be a huge support if you wouldn't mind rating, subscribing and sharing this podcast. I also would love to hear from you. So please find me at Poppy Jamie on Instagram, DM me and I would love to hear your thoughts on any of the topics that we discuss. Download Happy Not Perfect, my app that's designed to boost your mood and help you sleep and give you mindfulness in less than five minutes. It's packed full of science-backed tools and rituals to give your mind the care it needs. Sending lots of love and energy. See you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.